So I was doing some genealogy and family history work earlier this week, um, and I came across something really interesting. I am descended from a long line of Ketchums, which was super delightful to look through. I, I tried to find some Ashes or Delias, but I didn't find any of those names. There were quite a lot of Ebenezer Ketchums, though. And way back in, like, the 1400s, there was, like, a Knight Roland Ketchum, so... That's about where the line ended, but I'm hoping that one of his ancestors is Sir Aaron Ketchum. But anyway, it was a cute thing to discover. Adds some legitimacy to my cosplay, and explains why Ash is my favorite character. We're family! Anyway, you are listening to Peacappy Podcast, a Pokemon anime podcast that goes through each episode of the Pokemon series for nerdy breakdowns and random observations. Guys, I've gotten so much work done this week. Aren't you proud of me? It's amazing. Three regular episodes in one week hopefully makes up for the the lack of episodes in previous weeks. And then two special episodes up on the Patreon. One discussing the first five chapters of Pokemon Adventures, Pokemon Special, that manga. And another one sitting down with Steven from PokePress to discuss our favorite musical groups and songs they have that remind us of Pokemon, which is super fun. I fangirl about the Japanese uh, girl group Perfume, and Steven waxes rhapsodic about NXS, and we, we each discuss three of our favorite songs of theirs that, like, really seem to fit into Pokemon, like they should have been on a movie soundtrack or something. I highly recommend it, and you can get it just for a dollar a month on the Patreon, patreon.com slash professional dork. But yeah, like I said, I've gotten a lot done this weekend. I'm kind of amazed. It's hard to know just how the week will go. Like, my, my work schedule is a little overwhelming and crazy, and the nature of it unfortunately means when I do have free time, I'm often, like, sleep-deprived and having a migraine, so... So it's kind of a tricky game sometimes, but like, I had extra time this week, and I felt healthy the whole time. It was beautiful. And I feel like when patches of sunshine like that come up, you you just gotta like, push forward and run. So, (laughs) I'm hoping this will all eventually like, balance out into a consistent flow of, of output, but at the very least it makes up for the absence in, in the past. So anyway, today's episode kind of goes off the beaten path for a bit. We're not going to look at our main series. We're going to look at one of the Pokemon Chronicles episodes. 
We're no angels. Team Rocket is going to have an adventure that doesn't involve Ash one bit. Except for, I guess, how they ended up in this situation, but... Before we get to that, Peacappy Podcast is brought to you by Poke Press, who flew all the way to Australia to get interviews uh, from Pokemon tournaments. So congratulations to Pablo Mesa, a uh, Masters TCG runner-up at Pokemon Oceana competition. Like, people who can play these games competitively, the card games or the video games, kind of amaze me, because I'm still at the stage where I'm like, this card looks pretty. I'm also still of the mindset of like, but why do I need to evolve my Magikarp? It's perfect the way it is. So I will never make it far competitively. But if you want to know uh, the mindset of a competitive player and how you get to be the runner-up at international competitions, head on over to PokePress on YouTube and check this interview out. Maybe get some inside strategy secrets from the masters. You can check that and many other interviews from Poke Press um, again on YouTube or at their blog page, pokepress.blogspot.com. A great thing to check out as soon as you're done listening to this episode. And getting into that episode, like I said, it's kind of a special. It's one of the Pokemon Chronicles uh, Pokemon Sunday team. And it takes place immediately after Team Rocket blasted off in the last episode with Taylor. So we see they got some pretty good air travel this way. It kind of makes me admire them all the more for being able to keep up with Ash and Pikachu. I mean, they've got miles upon miles to make up every time they go blasting off. Like, and sometimes they blast off like three times in one episode. Does one of their Pokemon like secretly know teleport? Like, but anyway, before Team Rocket touches ground, we have this creepy dude in a mansion with a bunch of technology and he seems to get some pleasure out of ordering mecha robots to charge at a small village below. Um, the village is a little farming community, and the robot racing towards their crops is, is a bit concerning for them. So they grab the pitchforks and they try to fight back, but one woman in the village feels it's, it's too dangerous. It'll take a miracle to save them, so she clasps her hands and prays for one. And that's when Team Rocket falls from the sky. The villagers are shocked, but that young woman from before is over the moon. She goes on about how these people are here to save us. They must have gotten my letter. The members of Team Righteous, there's no mistaking that uniform. <laughs> this is what you get, Team Rocket, for trying to be creative. Uh, but the girl utters the infamous phrase, uh, prepare for trouble, and Team Rocket springs into their motto. Pavlovian response, and rather than annoy or strike fear into their audience, this motto, like, inspires the girl. She's like, these people are superheroes. Now, Team Rocket doesn't know what to do. Like, this is ruining their image. So their eyes hit on the robot coming close to the village, and they think, well, that must be their guardian robot. So they attack it, you know, prove they're the bad guys. But as I mentioned earlier, the villagers think the robot's the enemy, so for all Team Rocket's efforts, they end up being heroes. And not easily, I mean, poor Arbok and Weezing have a tough time fighting against solid metal. Uh, but when the robot stops to water a flower, Team Rocket takes their chance and tackles it over. Now, as I said, the villagers rejoice. But you know, an attacking robot that stops to water daisies? Something doesn't add up here. Anyway, the villagers take Team Rocket into town and feed them, and also explain a few things. They, they show some really old projections of Team Righteous, um, a TV show wh where the characters have similar outfits and designs to Jesse, James, and Meowth. 
except the villagers think this isn't fiction but a documentary. Basically, Team Rocket Galaxy Quest. Which makes me wonder, like, who this this girl sent her letter to asking for the help of Team Righteous? Like, was it to some production studio who was like, we haven't gotten fan mail for this show in, like, 20 years. <laughs> um, but anyway, a few months ago, uh, a strange man moved into the mansion on the hill, and soon after he moved in... Uh, he sent robots to tear up the fields, and it's getting to be harvest time, so the villagers are getting worried about what the dude might send at them next. Like, what if his next robot destroys all the crops? And it's not what Team Rocket does, saving villages, uh, but they do do exploitation. So, they decide to destroy these robots and turn the village into a bunch of grateful servants to help them make the site a Team Rocket fortress. The boss would be pretty impressed with that. And speaking of the boss, I can't help but notice the giant red R's of Team Righteous versus the giant red R's of Team Rocket, and I wonder, was the original member of Team Rocket just a cosplay fan? And did the uniforms in black because they thought they were being clever, like, you think this symbol is a sign of justice? Haha, we're rebels. Um... And since Jesse and James have decided on white uniforms, Giovanni's just, like, face-palming, like, you are making us look like fanboys, like, this was a bad idea. <laughs> anyway, Meowth fixes up the robot that they destroyed uh, yesterday into a Meowth mech and drives up the hill first thing in the morning. Uh, the villagers and their pitchforks are behind him, and the girl who hoped for Team Righteous, she's cheering them on. Her name is Kate. Um, it's Rose in the original Japanese, and there seems to be an homage related to Titanic in this episode that, like, spans multiple countries and dubs. Like, if that turned out to be a coincidence, I'll be so sad, but... Anyway, Kate is so supportive of Jesse, James, and Meowth, and it gets James wondering, like, what would it be like if they actually were doing this for altruistic motives? Like, could Team Rocket actually be heroes? And what if James was a heroic leader? Gasp. While he's working that out, Team Rocket gets to the top of the hill and there's a giant robot to meet them. Are we going to have a robot fight? Well, the crazy creepy dude presses a big red button and his robot opens up a gangplank from its stomach and lots of little robots come out all carrying bouquets of flowers and crying, welcome, welcome. They're adorable. And I think there has been some misunderstanding here. Like, a few quick words could probably solve this conflict, but this is Team Rocket. They assume it must be a trap because that's what they would do. So they push their own red button and attack. One by one, they start smashing the tiny flower robots, and the big robot turns and runs back to the safety of the mansion. Not wanting to let it get away, Team Rocket follows and breaks down the door, and they enter the strange mansion, uh, where they see a creepy dude in glasses and a lab coat hanging out in, like, the one place where the shadows make him look even more odd and suspicious. Like, I'm starting to think this guy isn't a villain, but he is not doing himself a lot of favors. Anyway, the guy comes over and begs Team Rocket not to hurt his little robot. It turns out this uh, scientist, a Professor Brown, specializes in robotics. He builds them in droves. And you see, he's really just this robot otaku hikikomori dude. Like, 
he's socially awkward and maybe a bit agoraphobic and, and just wants to like make friends and the only way he knows how to connect with people is to like make his robots so he makes robots that help the village and he's trying to help them with their farming and he sends flowers to welcome team rocket like all those things and you know he's on the right track like one robot can do the plow work of a hundred villagers like that's a great help and the earlier robot was sent to water plants like this village could be prospering with his help and all he wants is just to do nice things and make some friends. So really the problem here is just that the villagers don't understand what he's doing. And again, Team Rocket doesn't do heroism, they don't do peaceful negotiations, but they do do exploitation. So what if they tell this guy that the villagers want a robot army and then they have him build it for them? They bring the scientist out to meet the villagers, and they tell them that they captured the mad scientist, but convinced him to change his ways, and so the villagers are now ready to do whatever Team Rocket wants out of gratitude. The shy scientist Professor Brown will do what Team Rocket wants, like they are all riding high in the world. And it's all based on lies. Well, there's one wrench in the plan. There's a flock of Talo on the horizon, probably the same flock uh, that they saw in the last episode and and they did uh, i think brock said that the talo were moving on in search of a new food source and if the birds eat all the crops then none of team rocket's plans are worth anything so they decide to fight off the talo further cementing themselves as saviors to the village and, and proving that yeah the villagers want this mad scientist guy building robots for them so team rocket catches the entire flock of talo in a net and that's impressive, but unfortunately, the Taylor do eventually break free, and they chase Team Rocket off before continuing on to the fields, so it's up to Professor Brown to save them. He's got a robot thing that was made for sowing seeds, but it might have a better application right now. He presses a button, and a red rocket he hadn't really tested flies into the sky. And you know... He might be a shy introvert, but the man's got passion. Like, I kind of love his poses. Anyway, this uh, red rocket thing latches on to the Meowth robot, and now the mech has a jetpack. And then, if they throw the seed-sowing mechanism into reverse, uh, the scientist says, it will work as a vacuum. So, this Professor Brown does his thing and successfully captures the Talo and can release them later, so all the birds head south to some, some other food source that doesn't cause so much trouble. And the villagers are grateful, and in that way they all make friends. The, the villagers welcome Professor Brown happily into their community, and, and he's so happy to build robots and help farm, so it's a good day all around. But what of Team Righteous? Well, now that this is all over, it's time to reveal who they really are and force the villagers and the scientists into submission, like, start building that robot empire. Except there is some division amongst the Team Rocket ranks. Uh, James has gotten out of his mech and begun talking to Kate, and she wants him to stay. And, you know, James is kind of liking this feeling of being wanted and doing good things that make others happy and being a hero and looked up to and admired for good reasons. So when he goes back to Jesse and Meowth, he tentatively presents a new plan. What if they stayed and, like, didn't con the villagers and were real heroes? Like, yeah, it totally goes against everything Team Rocket has been up to this point, but maybe Jesse would like it too. 
But unfortunately for James, if he ever had a shot at convincing his friends, he's so nervous and fiddling with the control panel and accidentally revs up the jetpack. So, like it or not, Team Rocket goes blasting off into the horizon, all of them horrified by this turn of events for different reasons. Uh, But the villagers just stand in awe, like, there they go, no thought of reward. They floated into the sky like angels. And came crashing back into the forest like bricks. Um, But at least they made some distance back to catch up with Ash. Which is horrible timing, because it seems like if they hadn't run into that kid just then, Jesse might have actually given this hero thing a try. But no, Team Rocket is back to the status quo. It's an interesting thought, though. Like, we've proved time and time again, when Team Rocket applies themselves to legitimate occupations, they're actually pretty decent at it. And they do have a few moral lines and sense of right and wrong, and can be found on the side of good from time to time. Like, the problem is, in Jessie's case, she doesn't do well when things start to go wrong. Like, I think she could handle being a superhero and like it, like a crusader of righteousness. Uh, But the second she maybe made a mistake or people didn't appreciate it, she'd crack and just go full supervillain. That's been her life story. Her contest battles kind of highlight this. She'll enter and compete legit, but then she comes in last or someone starts to laugh and that's it. Immediately she calls over the boys and it's like, we're capturing things or we're getting revenge, whatever. And it's probably got to do a lot with her upbringing. Like, she didn't grow up in a world where, like, if this opportunity didn't work out, like, don't worry, you'll do it better next time. Like, when your mom is making food out of snowballs, there is no next time. And she got teased for her lack of riches, for everything she was. She had to get her nurses training at Blissey School and didn't fit in there, like, Her life is all or nothing because 90% of it has been nothing. She seems to see things like you're either on top or you're on the bottom and I am not going back to the bottom. Like there's no concept of being in the middle of things for a while or riding out the tough times or, you know, balance. And Jessie could learn this and as her contest career goes on, we might see that improve, but... Yeah, like, Jessie has the stuff inside her to care about others and do good for the right reasons, even, but she doesn't really have what it takes to persevere if, say, public opinion turns against her or if she ends up making mistakes. Like, she doesn't have the mental fortitude to bounce back from hardship. James has kind of the opposite problem. I mean, most of his life is spent being the butt monkey. Like, he he can weather people turning against him, Uh, but he wants so badly to make everyone happy, I think it's hard for him to stand up, like, for what needs doing when the people around him don't support that. And we've seen his upbringing, like, he's been sort of subjugated since the day he was born. So I think, like, if he went full hero, like, he'd really be happy, but then if Jessie changed her mind... You know, he'd probably end up siding with her, even if he knew it was the wrong thing. And then Meowth, like, you know, he's a funny one, because he's usually motivated by greed, but he can look outside himself, too. Like, I don't think he could be fully selfless on a consistent basis, but if doing good let him feel in charge and got him the respect he wanted, I think he could, like, lead a team of heroes. 
Like, I don't think he could go solo and just on his own from inside him find the desire to be a hero. But Meowth is a leader type, and whether he's working for good or for evil tends to lean towards who's respecting and valuing him, which right now is Jesse and James, and slightly under that, Team Rocket as a whole. And that's kind of the beauty and the tragedy of it, is that, like, Team Rocket, like, their lives and their circumstances up to the point where they joined uh, Giovanni, like, they are textbook cases for the kinds of people that do, like, get recruited into, like, gangs and you know, the mafia and, you know, the neo-Nazis and that kind of thing. But the same thing, like, their good qualities kind of strengthen and bolster up each other to kind of eradicate, like, those bad qualities that I just mentioned. Like, like, Jessie and her, like, insecurity and her anger issues and, like, the part of her that couldn't really handle continuing to be a hero if it was the unpopular choice... When she has James by her side, she's a lot stronger. And James has a lot of trouble standing up for himself, but when he has, like, the support of Jesse, his friend, he can do anything. And Meowth, it's like, when he's with Jesse and James, he can be a team player. Like, he's the guy who always has to be in charge, the top cat, but he'll play well with Jesse and James. And they will respect him as a leader, even though, you know, they're the humans and he's the Pokemon. Like, Team Rocket works best when the three of them are united and when they are at peace with their conscience. Like, when they feel good about what they're doing and they're committed to each other as a unit, they're fantastic. They're unstoppable. Inspiring, even. Like, their strength is their team because it's the only thing in their life that actually they care about is is being together and i think working for the team rocket organization only takes them part of the way because i don't think they actually care about team rocket taking over the world and all of giovanni's goals and especially since they've developed the obsession with pikachu like i think that conviction about what they're doing is shaken a little further because They like the twerp. They root for him. They like Pikachu. Over the years, they've saved each other's lives and shared personal information and, you know, sat in the metaphorical foxhole together. Like, Jesse and James love to beat Ash. They love to capture Pikachu. But I don't think they're really passionate about Giovanni actually getting his hands on Pikachu. Like, I don't think they derive pleasure from splitting up a friendship. And and again, I don't think they really care about Team Rocket taking over and and you know getting fame and glory their motto is about saving the world and being ambassadors of truth and love like i don't think they've entirely figured out what they want and i think the only times team rocket has really been successful are the times when the three of them again are committed to each other and feel good about what they're doing So I think if Jesse, James, and Meowth ever split from Team Rocket and just, like, went off on their own, like, the A-team doing whatever they felt passionate about in the moment, like, I don't know if they'd be heroes, villains, or something in between, but I guarantee they'd be crushing it. But that ends our, our Pokemon Chronicles episode. I always love these, like, a chance to, like, 
take the focus off Ash for a second, even though he is my favorite character, uh, to kind of hone in on these other characters that we think we know so well, but sometimes it's nice to see them in a different context. Like, it's nice to see Team Rocket when their lives aren't revolving around Ash so much. But speaking of characters, we got listener mail. Uh, Logan wrote in with a couple interesting headcanons. Um, one of them I really like about Norman. Um, the idea being like, you know, May didn't like Pokemon too much when she was young, but she did love her dad and wanted to have, you know, adventures traveling like he did. But, you know, she doesn't actually want a Pokemon and going on a Pokemon journey. And his thought is like, maybe Norman was really thoughtful. Well, she wants to do this thing and she doesn't want a Pokemon, but she probably does want a bike. And so got May a bike for her 10th birthday. And so encourages his little girl to go on her trip around the world and experience life and all that. But I'm going to read his second headcanon because it's kind of interesting. Um, It says, I do wonder what might have happened if Brock didn't show up, if he arrived later or didn't go to Hoenn at all. Would Ash continue being the babysitter to the new trainer that doesn't care for Pokemon and doesn't care for walking and the Pokemon superfan who's a child? I do wonder if Ash might have dragged the two, or at least May, back to Petalburg City and dropped them off and headed out on his way if the same situation as the big arguing between lunch and Pokemon more times, and since he can't cook for himself as well as Brock can and he hasn't had to take care of those younger than him by himself that's human before, he might have cracked if the two might have caused a lot of trouble without Brock to help him get control of the situation. So Brock is the real hero of the story. Luckily in XY, Bonnie was great, and Ash had Clement looking out for her, so the situation would never get too out of hand. And that's such an interesting thought. Like, if Brock hadn't have shown up when he did, like, if Brock hadn't been able to find Ash out in the woods, like, could Ash have even survived another week with Max and May? Because we did talk a bit about, like, you know, Ash is kind of growing in his ability to be the guy in charge and take care of others, but he's not quite there yet. And, like, after a week of those two, I can see him maybe sitting down with May and being like, look, we need to talk, this isn't working. Certainly, if Brock hadn't have shown up by the time they got to the first gym, there would have been some conversations, like Ash being like, you you don't even want to be here, you don't even want to do this, like... I'm training competitive Pokemon to fight in the Hoenn League. Are we going to wait around in this town for months until you finally beat the gym leader? Like, how is this going to go? Let alone the arguing and the bickering between May and Max and, like, Ash having to step up his cooking skills and all these things. Like, yeah, that's such an interesting thought, Logan. Something interesting to think about. If anyone else has been thinking about other headcanons or different ways the characters could have gone butterfly effect stuff, you can write in to pcappypodcast at gmail.com or visit our blog page pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at pcappypodcast. You can listen to us on iTunes or Zoom, uh, subscribe to follow every episode and also check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash professional dork, to get occasional special episodes. 
like the one about Pokemon adventures or Pokemon music that never was but should have been. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I will talk to you all next time. This has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all.